0: Matthew 27, verses 45 through 49 is where I'll be today. This is the fourth in the series of the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. We've talked about how he has literally taken the word, becoming incarnate, and living it out on the cross. His first word on the cross was forgiveness. His second was the word of salvation, ushering the thief into heaven on that very day. And then last week, of course, he was taking his earthly responsibility by handing his mother over to John, the disciple that he loved. But today, today is his darkest hour. It's one that I believe that you and I can identify with in certain degrees, some greater than others. Look with me, if you will, as we read these verses. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being translated, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When darkness comes, it's been said that we in our earthly experience are either heading into a storm, we're experiencing a storm, or we've just come out of one. Now, those of us here understand what that means. We have all types of experiences on this planet Earth, this pilgrimage that we call our Christian walk, where we have experienced everything from from health issues to sudden death of, of people that we loved to any number of things, uh, failures and frustrations and all kinds of, of dark clouds that tend to come at us from the horizons. And Jesus was facing that. When darkness comes, he, he tried to help the disciples understand what he was really going to encounter. Time and again he tried to alert them as to why he was going to Jerusalem. Mark 10 even put it this way. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Jesus said, We are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. How much more graphic could you get than that? And yet the disciples were still having a hard time understanding it. They were were still assuming that Jesus was en route to Jerusalem to reestablish the throne of David, that he would reestablish Israel in, to his former prominence, that his kingdom would be one of an earthly significance. And so they were gladly going along with him, thinking that their lot in life would be determined by his kingly role. Well, they didn't understand the crucifixion they didn't understand all of this other about being mocked and spit on and flogged and killed that wasn't in their understanding. The Bible says there that Jesus ran on in front of them. He was he knew what his lot and light was. The the clouds were coming when darkness comes. He knew why he was going to Jerusalem. Some folks here today or some folks in this listening audience have had that report given to you. It's stage four cancer, the doctor says. We don't know what we're going to do from this point forward. We're going to treat you, but the outcome doesn't look very bright. Or perhaps it's that that report, that phone call that you get at two or three in the morning. You hate those times when that phone rings at that time because you know it's never joyful. It's that, that call that tells you that you know that, that family member, that loved one, that person that you grew up with, that person that, you, that was really a dear, dear friend, just passed away. It could have been an accidental death. It could have been an immediate death. It could have been a lingering situation. But you dread those phone calls. The clouds of darkness start looming from the horizon and, and billowing in to your life. You see... Jesus was forsaken, abandoned. All of his family had left him. Only his mother was there at the cross. She was the only one that he could see from his family, those four brothers and two sisters. Where were they? His apostles had left him. All had gone except for John. John was there. We don't know where the apostles were, but they weren't there. The disciples had left him. You saw in Mark where they were scared. They didn't know what was going on. It was confusing time for them. But there was Jesus feeling abandoned all alone. Even the religious leaders had turned their backs on him. These religious leaders that were trying to quote biblical law, biblical tenets, biblical principles that Jesus, as the Word of God, authored. Where were they? And so, sometimes when family, when friends, when church, when, when you feel that you're all abandoned, it just feels like the clouds are coming in. And then you feel it, God himself has abandoned you. How dire is that? Why hast thou forsaken me, he said. Tchaikovsky wrote, none but the lonely heart can feel my anguish. Jesus could have written that as well. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians five twenty one that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew no sin. He had never known sin because sin is what separates us from God. He's never been separated from God. And yet on that day at that cross at Calvary, he became The Passover sacrificial lamb, pure, without spot, without blemish. The Father gave him to be the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind. As the sins of the world were placed on his shoulders, he felt the weight of those sins. And the sin result in its separation from God. He felt forsaken. And there at noon, the Bible says he was crucified on the third hour, which would be 9 a.m., And at the sixth hour, the skies got black. God looked down on his only begotten son at the scene that was so dire and so uh, horrible that he turned out the sun, covered it up. All of nature, all of creation were still for those three hours. I doubt seriously that there was even a bird chirping. None of of creation moving around, stirring because of the scene from the Creator. Yeah. What a time. Joseph Bailey had one of those times where he saw these dark clouds coming. He writes in a book entitled The Psalms of My Life, a psalm called A Psalm in a Hotel Room. Bailey writes, I'm alone, Lord, alone, a thousand miles from home. There's no one here who knows my name except the clerk, and he spelled it wrong. No one to eat dinner with, laugh at my jokes, listen to my gripes, be happy with me about what happened today, and say, that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and slush in the street outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself, and I have plenty of reason to. Maybe I ought to say I'm on top of it. Praise the Lord. Things are great, but they're not. Tonight, it's all gray slush. Maybe you've had that experience. You'd like to celebrate the Lord, but you just can't. For one reason or another, it just isn't in your bones at that particular point. You see those clouds coming. You don't know what to do. Well, what about when darkness lingers? This is the, this, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me is what is called in theological circles the cry of dereliction. This cry of dereliction is like a derelict ship that's out on the sea, adrift, without anchor, without destination. It's just out there. It's that, that, ship that is alone well William Faulkner in his book Requiem for a Nun* put it this way the salvation of the world is in man's suffering Graham Greene in his book The Living Room said we always have to choose between suffering for our our own pain or suffering other people's pain we cannot not suffer C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So pain is not God's goof, it's God's gift. It is that experience that we have to know the presence of God in a way that is so profound. But there, when that dark clouds linger, Jesus had three hours of darkness. Normally, some victims of crucifixion would last for days. It was a slow matter of suffocation as their bodies would collapse on their lungs, and, and they would just slowly, agonizingly stop breathing. Well, God the Father was gracious to his Son. There in those three hours though, as the blackness covered the earth, as he felt the pain lingering, he felt alone, he felt that he was being abandoned. One has written the the verse, I was hungry, see if this identifies, if you can identify with this. I was hungry and you formed a humanities club and discussed my hunger. Thank you. I was imprisoned and you crept off quietly to your chapel and prayed for my release. I was naked and in your mind you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless and you preached to me of the Spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely and you left me alone to pray for me. You seem so holy, so close to God, but I'm still very hungry and lonely and cold. Is that your experience? Has that been your experience? You know, I think it's, it's relived day in and day out by somebody, somewhere, sometime, always it's an ongoing circumstance and situation what about you and your experience do you feel feel that that when they quote the aramaic eloi eloi lama sabachthani it is that that stark realization that when he cried that in aramaic like crying out abba father it is that experience that that Joy that profound realization and memory that sticks in their minds about what Jesus said. Wow. Have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt that the pain was too great? Have you ever felt that nobody cared? That you've been abandoned? Have you ever been there? Have you ever done that? Is it your experience or not? Well, I want you to see When daylight breaks. Because Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God. In a personal way. By faith in Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with God the Father that is personal, is intimate, is real. And He is our God. The Bible tells us in John 1, 12, for as many as received him to them, he gave the power, the authority, the opportunity, the right to become children of God to those of us that believe on his name. And so we have been adopted into his family and we cry out to him, Father, Abba, my God, my God, you are mine and I am yours. And together we're going to get through this thing, but... That doesn't demean the fact that I still feel alone and forsaken. Well, Jesus was trying to help the disciples understand what he was about to experience prior to the crucifixion. John 16, 32, Jesus said, But a time is coming and has come when you will all be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. But he didn't leave it there. He says, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. You see, God's never closer to us than when we are going through these experiences. These times of of turmoil, these times of pain, these times of, of aloneness, if you will. These times when we feel all alone and yet we come to the realization that my God, is there with us every step of the way. In fact, the Bible says that God was never closer to Jesus than He was at that particular hour. He's never closer to you than, he, than at that particular time in your life. Second Corinthians 5.19 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Hebrews five or Hebrews 13 says, because God has said, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. Wow. I'll never leave you, the Father says. And Jesus knew that. But in that moment of weakness, perhaps, in that moment when the, everything turned black on him and, and it just seemed that he was being forsaken not only by everybody that he loved on earth, but in heaven as well. He knew God would never forsake him. You see, we come to this place in our hearts and minds and we understand that it is in these times that God seems so much more real to us than ever. And we would like to think that we feel comfortable and we feel uh, close to the Lord in times of prosperity when things are going our way. But the reality is we tend to take him for granted during those periods of time. It's only when we're going through a painful situation that we really feel the presence of God in a profound way that we haven't felt before. Well, you're here this morning, whatever your uh, experience is. It reminds me of the verse we are all familiar with called Footprints. And it says, there was a man who had just died and he was reviewing the footsteps that he had taken in his life. He looked down and noticed that all over the mountains and difficult places he had traveled, there was only one set of footprints. But over the plains and down the hills, there were two sets of footprints, as if someone walked by his side. He turned to Jesus and said, there is something I don't understand. Why is it that down the hills and over the rough and difficult places I have walked alone? For I see in these areas that there's just one set of footprints. Jesus looked at him and said, It is true that while your life was easy, I walked along your side. But here when the walking was hard and the paths were difficult, I realized that was the time you needed me most. And that is why I carried you. So here we are in this particular passage. We understand Jesus felt the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. He would as the sacrificial lamb. There was a time during the Prior to the Exodus, when the plagues came, and then there was the three days of darkness as one of the plagues over the land of Egypt. And then that was followed by what? The angel of death who came over the houses and the blood of the lamb that was on the doorpost and the lentil told the angel of death, The blood of the Lamb has covered their sins. He passed over their house not because of the people inside and their goodness, but because of the blood that covered their sins. And at that time, the blackness of that night, that day, the blackness of that moment where the blood of the Lamb the sins of mankind those who would but believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior he knew at that moment at that moment that his sacrificial atonement for our sin would last for generations and generations into eternity wow we are covered Amen. we are covered Do you know Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you trusted in Him as your Lord? Today is an opportunity. I don't know the backgrounds of everybody that's here today or everybody that's listening on this live feed. But let me just simply say that if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know life. Jesus is life abundant and eternal. Through Him we have abundant and eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, we find salvation. We find forgiveness. We find God at our side. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I am the door, Jesus said. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. Wow. It's not any more clear than that, folks. It is that clear. So let me encourage you, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, don't linger. Turn it over to Him. You may be in that that circumstance or that situation that we've been speaking of that when the dark clouds come and maybe they're lingering over you right now, the way for them to dissipate is by faith in Jesus. Maybe you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never followed Him by public profession of faith or by baptism, this is your opportunity to indicate you feel in a step of obedience. This is what the Lord's calling you to do. And maybe you're not a member of this church and you're looking for a church family. If you're looking for a church family, we've got a great one right here. A place to serve the Lord. We'd love to have you serve alongside us. And for all of us, it's a time of reflection Of looking at Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, to him for our life, abundant and eternal. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we praise you for who you are and we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Lord, what a joy it is to be in your presence. Thank you for these decisions being made. Thank you, Lord. We lift them all up to you, knowing that you'll use them for your glory and we thank you for that. So be with us, Lord. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.